Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Saturday, February the 18th, 2023. It is currently 3.48 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, in just a few hours, I will not be here in the studio. I will be downstairs. Specifically, I will be downstairs and I will be, I guess we'll call it my media room, right? That's where my television is and that's where all of my stereo equipment is. And I'm going to be in that room for a very specific reason. I'm going to make, I'm going to discern that what I'm going to do is either okay or it's not okay, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. I'm going to do something involving media and I'm going to make a determination. I'm going to discern for myself whether I believe it to be right or to be wrong. And others may discern that it's not right and that it is wrong. But in a sense, discernment will be made in some way, shape, or form. And that fits in perfectly because we have been talking about now for weeks the subject of discernment. And we really have had two very different approaches to the subject presented to us. Now, in one way, you have your own approach to discernment because you've supposed to have been doing a word study on discernment, and hopefully you've been working on that. I haven't heard from a lot of people, so I don't know if people gave up on the, on the word study, but you, you had the opportunity, if you, if you participate in the Bible Study Exercise podcast series, you had an opportunity to engage in a full-blown word study on discernment. While that was going on, you also had the opportunity and provided to you at no cost for you a curriculum dealing with discernment that had a very specific way of looking at discernment, and you've had that available to you. You could read every for every week. You had an, another Bible study exercise right there, curriculum leading you into a Bible study on discernment. So you had that available to you. While that, so you were doing the word study, you had the curriculum, and then you had me turning on the microphone, whether at church or here in the studio, talking about discernment, looking at it from a completely opposite perspective from the curriculum. So you had really, I mean, just think of this, all of this available to you free of charge, giving you really the opportunity for three very different perspectives on one very important subject, discernment. Your ability to discern truth from error, to see what is there, to maybe see what what is not obviously clear, that ability to really see, to really discern. And as Christians, we need that discernment because we don't want to be misled. We don't want to be deceived. We don't want to be tricked. We don't want to end up with false doctrine. We want the truth. So I think you've been given a great opportunity to really dig into this. And for me... What has stood out to me is this amazing contrast between the curriculum and what I'm trying to do. And I think that this contrast, this difference of of opinions really shows up in a magnificent way today. And, And hopefully, if you've been following the curriculum, you've already been looking at it and struggling with it. And we may be talking about this tomorrow at church because I'm going to add something to it. But tonight, 
or this afternoon, I should say, it's not evening yet, this afternoon, and for your evening, because I doubt you'll be participating in what I'll be doing this evening, okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to be doing in a little bit, but I doubt you'll be participating in it, but whatever you're doing this evening, I do. I want you to not do anything, I want you to just, all I want you to do, no media for you this evening, I want you to sit somewhere and think about what I'm getting ready to talk about in regards to discernment. Let me, let me bring you up to this point by following the curriculum's perspective. This is a perspective I disagree with, right? Because their perspective is this, discernment. It starts with the word of God, but when you start trying to discern what God wants, what God's will is, what's right, what's wrong, you have to kind of go beyond just scripture and you have to bring in these other concepts. So let me give you an example. So we start with discernment and that's God's word. And if you remember the curriculum, it took us to Genesis 3 and Eve was, God had given her his word. Hey, don't eat. And the next thing you know, she, They would basically claim she did not use discernment. She did not abide. She did not listen to God's word. And then she was deceived and she partook of the fruit. And then that brought about sin and the human fall and and the fall of humanity. All right. So we we talked about Genesis 3. Again, I gave a little bit of a different perspective, but I'm trying to follow the curriculum. Right. So they're like discernment. It starts with God's word. And that sounds so good. But, 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 but you got to go beyond that. Because to really discern, you need more than just what does the scripture say. So then they said, okay, then they took us to Acts 2 and they went to the, they found a a scripture that meant that demonstrated that people were convicted. They were convicted. And so basically they gave this idea. All right. You have God's word, but the next way you discern whether something is right or wrong, whether you should or shouldn't is does, are you convicted? Does it bring conviction? Are you convicted by, if you, if you feel conviction, you shouldn't do it. Well, a couple of problems there. Number one, sometimes you can feel conviction when it's not actually wrong, right? Sometimes you can feel conviction and, and you're just being convicted because of a religious tradition that was placed upon you because of legalism that was placed upon you. That has nothing to do with scripture. You can't, conviction is a feeling, you can't determine based off a feeling. That's subjective. You, if God's word says it's wrong, it doesn't matter if you're convicted by it or not. You know it's wrong because God's word tells you it's wrong. That's that's how it's supposed to work, right? Okay. Now we may go we may go against God's word because we violate God's word. You know, I don't know all the time, but at least we can. We just have to admit it doesn't matter how I feel about my my conviction or not being convicted by it does not determine the correctness of something or the wrongness of something. It it's God's word that determines that. But the curriculum is like you've got God's word now. Do you feel convicted? Then the next thing was faith. In other words, when you're trying to figure out what God's word is telling you to do, or when you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do or not do, does it require faith? Whichever action requires the most faith, most faith, that's the action you should take. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You, you, the, which action requires more faith, right? <laughs> Driving over the, you see a train coming and you go ahead and drive over the railroad track, right? You have plenty of time. You see, you have plenty of time. You drive over the railroad track, you clear the railroad track and you drive on to safety. Or does that require more faith or does it require more faith to drive onto the railroad track and just stop and just wait for the train to hit you? 
That would require more faith, also require, you know, I don't know, probably death. Okay, but you get the idea. Just because something requires more faith doesn't necessarily mean that's the right thing to do. It becomes a subjective thing. And Christians are always falling for these little tricks like, no, no, here's how you determine God's will. Does it does it bring conviction? Well, then that's not God's will. Do you feel a peace about? Well, yes. Okay, then that's the right thing to do. Do you, does it require faith? Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I think, I think right now that the, my best option is to stay right here in this job. No, 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 no. That's, that's too easy. Have faith, quit your job and see what God will do. Wait, wait, what? It, that's just that Christians fall for that kind of thing. All right. So you have, dis, we have discernment, you have discernment based off God's word, then discernment supposedly based off a conviction, a feeling of a conviction, then discernment supposedly based off faith, what requires more faith, and then discernment based on God's character. So now what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to look at the situation and go, which is more in line with the character of God? And then once I look to which is more in line with the character of God, that's supposedly the decision that I'm supposed to make. And again, it's so subjective because you're like, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, it just that 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 once again just becomes a, a lot of your own drawing a conclusion. And I I reject all of that. What I've tried to do is say, no, guess what? It starts with God's word. This is how I've tried to do so. This is how I've approached it. Discernment is found in God's word, right? Here's what we have to do. We, do, we have to discern what God's word says. We have to study it. We have to interpret it correctly. We have to understand it. Our discernment is based off a correct understanding of God's word. The more we understand God's word, the more we discern. That discernment should lead to a conviction, right? Because we've discerned what God's word says. Once we've discerned what God's word says, that leads to greater discernment. And then it should convict us in two ways. One, we should be convicted that it is true because it's God's word. And number two, we should be convicted by our failure to live up to God's word, right? Now, sometimes when we're reading God's word and trying to understand God, we our, our discernment will lead us to going, okay, well, God's God, there's these situations where I don't understand because if God is all powerful and all knowing, well, then why is there suffering and pain and death? And there's a lot of things we just cannot answer. So sometimes all we can do is embrace the truth of God's word by faith. Sometimes that's all we can do, right? Like I cannot prove to you dogmatically that the Bible is the inspired word of God. I can prove that the Bible is trustworthy. I can prove the number of manuscripts are there. I can prove its historical accuracy. I may be able to prove different things because of archaeological discoveries. But that can only get me so far. I have to, by faith, to embrace that it is the inspired word of God. So there's a level of faith that comes into play. So God's word, we discern that it's true. We we, We discern its meaning. That leads to a greater discernment on our part. That brings about conviction that we realize we don't live up to it and we are convicted that it's true. There's an element of faith that has to come into play. You know, there's just, I I cannot dogmatically prove that God created the world exactly like it says in Genesis. I can look at certain evidences to go, well, I don't know if that makes sense. I, I think that does prove that there is a God, but by faith, I have to say, well, this is what the word of God says in regards to creation. All right. Then next, God's character. I believe as we study God's word, we will be confronted by God's character, and this is what we have to do. We have to discern God's character based off what's revealed in scripture, and we do not 
judge or define God's character based on what we feel or see. God's character is defined by what is revealed in Scripture. We do not discern God's character by an emotion or a feeling or this or that, or I think God thinks that. No, God's character is right here. Sometimes what we experience calls into question God's character. We're like, well, God can't be good. God can't be loving because then my circumstance says otherwise. No, we discern God's character from the scripture and we have to believe that's God's character no matter if our feelings, emotions, and circumstances says otherwise, right? That's how I'm approaching all of this, right? So we have discernment, we have conviction, we have faith, and we have God's character. And this leads us to the one I want you to think about today And we'll be talking about it probably tomorrow at Victory Baptist Church. All right, are you ready? God's glory. God's glory. Now, if you're familiar with some of the catechisms of the past, you know that you're, uh, and some of them, you're asked this question, what is the chief end of man? And we are told to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Your purpose in life is to glorify God. Now, the curriculum will kind of take this approach this way. How do you know what's the right thing to do? How do you discern what you should do? Does it glorify God? When you're deciding what to do, you ask yourself, will this glorify God? And that's how you make your decision. Does it, you cannot do anything that does not glorify God. Now, you've probably been taught that, and it sounds so spiritual. It sounds so good. It does. And listen, I 100% am committed that my purpose in life is to glorify God and whether I eat or drink. But I just want you to see the complexities on how this plays itself out. Because once again, it becomes very, 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 very subjective. So think about all the things that maybe it's, it's Saturday. I don't know what you have planned for this evening. I don't know what fun activity. I don't know if it's movie night, TV night, game night. You're going to go out. I, I don't know what you have planned tonight. I don't know. But it's the weekend. Is every one of those activities glorifying to God? And here's the question. Who decides if it's glorifying to God? Who decides? Do you get a notification on your app, like you know, on your phone, on, for, because of the God's Glory app, where you're engaged in an activity, and all of a sudden you get ding, you get a notification, you look on your phone, it's like your activity is God approved. It, you're glorifying God. You're doing a great job. Have a good night. Or do you get? You know, a notification that says, we're sorry, you're not glorifying God right now. This is not a God-approved activity. You need to stop right now. What is glorifying to God? Now, you've probably have tried to live your life at some point trying to apply this, this standard. And I, and I understand we are called to glorify God. I am not denying that. I'm saying when trying to discern this, it can be very, 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 very difficult because now it becomes subject. In other words, what we're doing is we're not going to scripture and saying, wait, is this activity condemned? We're going, now we're kind of throwing out the scripture going, well, does this bring God's glory? I'll give you an example. I've talked about these examples a million times, a million times 
Because, well, I mean, all I can do is give you the examples I've experienced, but I've had this principle kind of shoved down my throat a lot in my Christian life. All right. So it starts off very young Christian, brand new Christian, like brand, 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 brand new, brand new, brand new. Okay. And if anybody knows me, we know I love music. Oh, okay. I, I, that's, when I say I love music, I wish there was a new category because I usually love music and other people are like, well, I love music too. And then kind of realize, I don't think we're talking about the same thing, but you get the idea. I love music. And I, and I found out almost instantaneously that God does not love the music that I love and the music that I love is not glorifying to God and the music that I love is the music of the devil and I must stop listening to it instantaneously or I may go to hell. I, I cannot glorify God and listen to the music I was listening to. I could not glorify God and listen to Bruce Springsteen because he used a cuss word in one song. Could not do that. Cannot glorify God and listen to secular music. It is an impossibility to glorify God and listen to secular music. I'm like, okay, so I got to get rid of all my secular music. I thought, okay, I think I understand Christianity now. If that's what I'm supposed to do, I'll do it. Then I go over to my pastor's house and the TV's on and they're watching a movie. And I'm looking at the pastor, looking at the movie looking at the pastor, looking at the movie. And I'm like, that's a secular movie. What gives? I hear two or three cuss words. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Bruce Springsteen off limits. One cuss word, entire album. Three cuss words in like five seconds. Bruce Springsteen does not glorify God, but the movie being watched glorified God. Can someone explain that nonsense to me? Secular music cannot glorify God, but this can't. And I, 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 did, I did not understand. And it got only more confusing in my Christian life. Then I end up in a church in Papillion, Nebraska. And then all of a sudden I'm told, <laughs> wait a minute. Now, not only does secular music not glorify God, now I find out that even Christian music with a contemporary beat a Christian music where the emphasis is on the two and the four instead of the one and the three. Boom. I, that's, that's, that's a secular satanic beat. That is from the pit of hell. You cannot go. So now I can't even listen to contemporary Christian music because that's right. Well, I mean, I guess I can, maybe, maybe a Michael Card song, I could, but maybe, it becomes very confusing. But basically anything with a beat or, or that sounds contemporary is from the pit of hell. I cannot do that. But guess what I can do? On a Saturday, I can start at about 10 in the morning and watch college football till midnight, and that's glorifying to God. What? I cannot go to a movie theater because that's not glorifying to God. But you can go to Blockbuster, I know, dating myself, and rent all the movies you want, and that's glorifying God. I can't listen to secular music, but they could rent a movie. I believe it was JFK. Um, uh, and we, I, I, I rented the movie as well because the pastor's family, I guess it was okay. And I counted, and I think it was 138, some crazy number uses of the F word. That was okay. That was glorifying to God. But I, if I went to the movie theater, I wasn't. If I listened to Petra or if I listened to Striper or if I listened to any Christian, anything, I was in sin. And I'm like, I do not understand that. If I played cards, I was not glorifying to God, but okay. You could watch the Rocky movies, but if you own the soundtrack of the Rocky movies, you were not glorifying to God. You were worldly. 
So it sounds like a great principle. You can do, decide what's right and wrong by, does it glorify God? It sounds like a beautiful principle, but it becomes this subjective thing that someone else tells you what glorifies God and what doesn't glorify God. Any reasonable person will, the only thing I would know whether it glorifies God or doesn't glorify God is does it violate a very clear and explicit prohibition or commandment in scripture? Do I have a clear scripture that says, thou shalt not do this? If I do, then okay. Then we know that's not glorifying to God. We know that. We know that. So how does discernment and, and, and glorifying God work? I think it goes back to what, how we discern what God's word has to say. And we understand that we discern what God's word has to say, and we seek to follow God's scripture, not for our glory, but for God's glory. That's, that's the only, that's the only way I can, I, I, I mean, I don't know what else you do. Now, I used to try to live according to this principle. Like, no, 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 does that glorify God? Does that, does that glorify God? Does that glorify, because then I start thinking, well, the only way to really glorify God is, guess what? Don't watch anything. No movies, no television, nothing. Just read my Bible and listen to hymns and sermons. Don't do anything else. Stop sports, stop watching, and stop watching everything. Just glorify God. Don't watch the Super Bowl. Don't do anything. Just glorify God. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Nothing for fun. Now, people say, that's extreme. Well, yeah, you say it's extreme, and then you'll turn around in five seconds and go, how can you do that? You're supposed to glorify God. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. What, how can you do that and glorify God? You can go to the Nebraska Cornhusker game. You're glorifying God. But if I don't want to go to the football game, and I want to sit at home and listen to music, I'm, I'm in sin all of a sudden. Like, what in the world? It's such an arbitrary, subjective thing. Where, where the curriculum is like, if you want to discern what's right, does it glorify God? Well, that's, it sounds so spiritual because we are to glorify God. But how does that work? How does that work? What does that mean? How do we even begin to comprehend? How do we even begin to, to do that in any meaningful way? The only way I can understand is I glorify by trying to understand the scripture and follow the scripture. And I'm going to do so imperfectly. Now, I think there's the ultimate solution is going to be outside of myself. Uh, we, we can save that for a later time. But I want you to struggle with this. I, I do believe the scriptures tell me to glorify God. I, I, if anyone thinks I am not, if, I'm, if anyone thinks I'm not saying that, you're, you're not hearing me correctly. I just can't. How do I discern, like, well, can I do this or can I do it? Well, does it glorify God? I mean, really, where would that ultimately lead you? I mean, I, let, I had a friend in Nebraska. It led him to believe all forms of entertainment were wrong. He wouldn't even come to your house and have a meal if, there, if, if, if you did not say there was going to be a Bible study or a devotion time after. If, if, in other words, there, there, that... That's what you have to do. It's just your life is scripture. Your life is prayer. Your life is evangelism. You're like, you can't do anything else. That sounds good. But is that, is that, is that really what it means to, to discern what you can and can't do on a principle like, does it glorify God? Does it glorify God? 
Let me give you an example. I started by saying in a couple of hours, I won't be here in the studio. I'm going to be downstairs in my media room, and I'm going to turn on a streaming service, the Peacock streaming service. Oh, no, I subscribe to a secular streaming service. Uh-oh. But wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. I'm going to go through the Peacock streaming service, and I'm going to go down to where it says WWE. They have an entire section for the WWE. They paid $1 billion to have all of that content for five years. If you didn't know the contract, I'm going to click on it. And then it's going to be like the elimination chamber starting at 7 p.m. tonight. And I'm going to click on that probably before that because there'll be the pre-show. And I'm going to get some food. I'm going to get some drinks. And I'm going to sit back. And I'm going to watch three hours of storytelling happening in professional wrestling, because it's just storytelling, and I'm going to watch the stories unfold. Good guys, bad guys, up, down, cheating, all deception, all the things that happen in a good wrestling storyline, and I'm going to watch it unfold tonight. Now, if I told, if I told Christians that, I know what I said, if I, if I told Christians that, because no Christians listen to my program, okay, I'm telling you that some of you are immediately going, he is not godly, he is worldly, he is worldly, he is worldly. That does not glorify God. Some of you will say that, well, you go do what you're going to do tonight. And I bet you there'll be, there could be someone else looking at you going, how could they do that? That doesn't glorify God. Who gets to make this decision? Glorifying God is an amazing concept. What does it mean to glorify God? The discernment study this week is about glorifying God. And I, and I, and I, th- and I, th- but well, I won't, I won't give it away what, what you re- really should focus on this week. I'm not going to give you the text. You can look it up in the curriculum, but let's just, let's just do this. Let's just do this. What happens? What happens? What happens? I'm going to go to Google. Okay, I'm going to put what does it mean? to glorify God. It says to glorify God is to mirror his image, which is to love and to love generously as he does. No one can glorify God as perfectly as Christ did, which is why we are in need of his mercy. All right. So there it means to mirror his image. If you want to glorify God, mirror his image. Okay, well, I mean, that means you're never gonna you're never gonna mirror his image anywhere close to perfectly. That means is that mean you're never going to glorify God? Another article. To glorify God is to honor him with praise or worship. So this just means you praise and worship him. God is glorious, that is, he is great and magnificent. He is exceptionally grand in his nature and deeds, full of splendor and majesty in his work. When we glorify him, we acknowledge his greatness and splendor and laud him for it. When we give him glory, as all the world is told to do in Revelation 14, 7, we direct our praise, adoration, thanksgiving, and worship to him who is alone worthy. Now, if that is true, if that is true, then in everything we do, we give him praise and we give him glory. So we're, we're to, you know, whether we eat or whether we drink, we're to glorify him. Okay, when I eat, I give God praise and 
and Thanksgiving for the food, for the drink, and everything I do. Now, some would say, well, if you can't give him praise and Thanksgiving and, and worship for what you're doing, then you shouldn't do that. Well, again, how, do, how does that work? If you read a novel, and in the novel, someone kills someone. Well, I mean, murder is wrong. So does that glorify God? Well, well, it depends. Does it have bad words in it? All right, so the murder is okay, but the bad word would be a bridge too far. I've seen that. Like, well, the movie didn't really have any cussing. And I'm like, yeah, and the hero of the story told a lie to get out of his trouble. Is lying not a sin? Well, it didn't say any bad words. It's so weird how we, how we just arbitrarily make these weird distinctions. Now, if glorifying God is simply praise and, and, and thanksgiving to him, then can you really use that as a tool for discernment? You, you decide what you do. Does it glorify God? No, no, I glorify God in it by giving him praise and thanksgiving for it. Can you praise and thank God for the things in the world that are entertaining and fun and you find joy and happiness in? How does that work? I think this is an important discussion this week. I think this is an important discussion as we try to, as we're kind of getting close to wrapping up and winding down our discernment discussion. I think I study God's word and I do find that my purpose is to glorify him, not to glorify me. But exactly what does that look like? Now, the, the curriculum wants you to say you decide this random subjective way of deciding what to do, but forget scripture. Now you just look, does this glorify God? And there's got to be a way to define what that means. I think we know this. If it violates scripture, it's not glorifying God. I think that's clear. I think that that, that at least makes it simple, right? But does scripture say what you can do on a Saturday night for fun or entertainment? Does it say, oh, wait, wait, wait. Nope. If it does, if it has any sin in it, well, just think about any show where someone is killed or murdered or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I like, how does that work? It's this great concept, but I just think when we don't give it much thought to it. We preach it. And everybody's like, okay, I'm only going to do what glorifies God. And then the next thing you know, you're like, well, wait a minute. How does that glorify God? Like, well, what, what is that? You just found what you're like, okay, I can have all the fun and all the entertainment. I just got to make sure my fun and entertainment doesn't have, uh, I don't know. It's not secular music and it doesn't have a bad word. Then I'm good to go. What does it mean to glorify God? Remember, I'm going to open up the my journal right here. The curriculum wants us to look at discernment by focusing on the word discernment itself, and that comes directly. That's a discernment based on God's word. But we, we, we still have to try to discern, and sometimes God's word is not specific. So they give us these other principles. We discern based on whether we are convicted or not convicted, whether it, we, it, which, which requires more faith, uh, which reflects or are more consistent with God's character and does it glorify God? The way I'm approaching it is this. We 
discern what God's word has to say. We discern what it has. We study, we study, we study, we discern. This is what God has said. Once we've done that, we are convicted that it's true, and we're convicted because we immediately see that we fall short of it. Then we realize that even when we're discerning what God's word says, there's some things that we just don't understand, and we can only we can only embrace it by faith because it doesn't make any sense. Next, God's character. We, by studying God's word, we discern God's character. And as we discern God's character, we have to remember God's character is defined by revelation. It is not defined by circumstance or feeling. And then we have to discern that the purpose for everything is ultimately to glorify God. And we glorify, and well, we have to define exactly what it means to glorify God. Not everyone agrees on what exactly that means. We've got two definitions right there in one Google search. It means to mirror God's image. It means to love as Christ loved. That sounds good, but obviously we're never going to pull that out. The other article is like, no, no, no. It means to just give praise and thanksgiving to God. That's what it means to glorify him. I'm just going to leave it right there. I mean, Bible study exercise. Remember, the whole goal of this is I'm not supposed to do all the work. I'm supposed to just hand you these little like, pieces and then you're uh, you're supposed to sit down and you're like well how does this all fit together and i don't have a good answer i don't have a good answer well never i never i'm going to give something away we'll just stop right there you can email me your thoughts news if at yahoo.com news if at yahoo.com Newsif at yahoo.com. Again, if you would like access to the curriculum, you can email me anytime. Newsif at yahoo.com. Simply say you want the curriculum. I send you a link. You you sign up at the link. It's free. We don't get your information. You, you email me back, says I'm signed up. Here's the name I use. I look it up. I make sure all the, all the training is a, a, assigned to your profile. And then you can start looking at the curriculum. And if you have signed up in the past and you're not using it, please let me know because... Uh, then I can remove you, and it opens up the space for someone else. All right. I don't know if I came to any good answers there, but I want you to kind of struggle along with it. This is one of those concepts that everybody loves to talk about, but I don't think anyone ever thinks about all the practical implications of it. But news, if at yahoo.com, let's have a conversation. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a wonderful Saturday. Yes, you know what I'll be doing. God bless.